Welcome to the Have You Ever Podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. Hey, what's going on? This is episode number 38 of the Have You Ever podcast. And as always, I am your host, Michael Nielsen. I hope everyone has enjoyed the warmer weather we had yesterday here in southern Ontario, except for the wind. It was a little strong. So strong, in fact, that it blew over a truck on the Hamilton Skyway. In today's episode, I chat with Mike Kiru about dividend investing. I had a lot of great feedback about my episode about personal finance with Jessica Morehouse, and I wanted to do another episode about investing. Mikey Roo is a passionate investor and the founder of Dividend Stocks Rock. He earned his bachelor's degree in finance and marketing, as well as an MBA in personal finance. For 10 years, Mike worked as a personal finance planner with a CFP title. He is passionate about traveling and is happily married with three amazing children. He started his own online adventure to help people like you invest with conviction so they can retire happily. Check out Mike's podcast, The Dividend Guy, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Highlights of today's episode include Mike discusses what a dividend is and why a company pays them. We discuss the dividend triangle, a term that Mike created to help investors screen stocks. And Mike shares a story from his investment banking days and why having patience investing in the stock market is incredibly important for all investors. And if you enjoy today's conversation, please share it with a friend and please rate and review Have You Ever on iTunes or Spotify. It really does help this podcast grow. Here we go with Mikey Roo about dividend investing. Welcome, Mike, to the podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm doing very, very good. We uh, were talking about how uh, our morning runs were, re- were having, so now the, the weather is a little bit better. So it's, uh, it's a lot more fun to run than when it's minus five around here. Yes, I know. It's uh, warming up here in Southern Ontario as well. Uh, so before we jump into our conversation today about dividend investing, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your financial background? Sure. So I started investing in 2003, right after I graduated from a bachelor degree in finance and marketing. So I was working in a bank, having a lot of fun there, and always had a small business on the sideline. So I was uh, actually writing about personal finance at first and eventually bought the Dividend Guy blog in 2010. So as I was starting to invest, I discovered dividend investing this way. And at the same time, I was like doing my financial planner title, doing my MBA. So I was like always working on both sides, like, you know, building a career on one side and on the other, having this kind of like small business that was growing. And eventually it led me to 2016, where I decided to take a sabbatical from the bank and I bought a small motor home. 
And with my wife and three kids, we jumped in the, that motor home and we started to drive across Canada and then the US and then Mexico. And we ended up in Costa Rica. So we did like seven months in Central America, chilling by oh. the beach, having a lot of fun. Um, and it was great because, you know, the three kids, like they were between like four and 12. So that was like the perfect timing to spend a lot of time with them together. And when I came back, I realized that it was fun to help investors um, in my job. So I, I was a private banker back then. So I had like maybe, I don't know, like 300 clients. And um, I realized that I could invest, uh, I could help a lot more investors if I do it online. So back then, while I was uh, traveling, I was working a little bit on my business, Dividend Stocks Rocks, which is a, a membership helping investors invest with more conviction and understand how dividend investing works. And when I came back, I decided to quit my job, go full time on that. And it's been four years now. So uh, quite a ride. But I kind of realized that in, at the age of 35, when I did that trip, I realized that the most important thing in life is do what you love now because tomorrow it may be later it may be too late. I mean, and, and sometimes, you know, like life gets in the way, it could be illness, it could be whatever. And then you wake up one day, you're 65 and you just like, dude, I should have done that long ago. Now it's too late. So yeah. So that was, that was a little bit of my background. So a little bit of finance and then a lot of online stuff. And now I'm just looking for more freedom and travel again. So it's quite exciting. And uh, producing lots of great content online in your podcast as well. We are both uh, passionate investors and we're also very passionate hockey fans. Uh, but one of us happens to be a fan of uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, whereas the other one <laughs> happens to be the fan of one of the worst teams right now, the, uh, Can the Canadians. Yeah, I, I had my fun last year, right? When we yes. beat you up, guys, <laughs> after losing 3-1. But yeah, this year, I'm kind of quiet. <laughs> it has been a very difficult year for us. Not too sure what exactly happened, to be honest. I was expecting a good start. Even though Price was, uh, was injured, I thought that the rest of the team looked good. But uh, yeah, nothing... I don't know. It's like, you know, when you're building your portfolio and investing, but you're, you're focusing on the right trades and then those stocks are not playing well together. So that's pretty much what happened with all our players. Like on paper, they look good, but together on the ice, it's not exactly happening right now. So yeah, I'm not going to cheer for the Leafs though. There's a, a lot of red in the market and a lot of red on the team, I guess. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> So can you talk a little bit about the work you're doing now, uh, both running your podcast, the YouTube channel and the DSR community and kind of what uh, kind of work looks like for you now? Um, yeah. So at first I started with blogs, as I mentioned, and I was writing a lot, but since I'm French Canadian, it, it was like a little bit complicated with the process because I needed an editor and so on. And at one point I thought, you know what? I love to do webinars because I do a lot of webinars for my members and, and, and for investors. And then I realized, well, I could have, I could run that on YouTube and I can also do it uh, with my podcast. So I decided to do a little bit more content on those areas. And I can see that like a lot of people listen to podcasts, even myself. I mean, every morning I go for my morning run, uh, it's like half an hour to an hour, uh, 
I, I rarely listen to music during that time because I, I, I use my music when I work, but for the rest of it, I just love to have this special moment where you learn so many different things on so many different topics, which I think it's like a best way to do it. And this is how I made up say, okay, you know what? We're going to do one episode of my podcast every Wednesday, and then one video on YouTube every Thursday. And then for the membership, uh, what happened is I was very interested in dividend growth investing and I was helping investors to build their portfolios and, and, and refine their investing um, system. And then I realized that a lot of, of us are sometimes, it's a, it's a lonely place when you invest in the stock market, especially when, when it goes down and then you second doubt yourself, you look at your portfolio, you don't feel comfortable with it. And then you go out for information. And once you do that, there's like too much information. Right. So you read, you listen, you watch blogs, and then you, you kind of get lost, right? And then you get so conflicting information. So one guy telling you the market's going to crash and the other guy next to him is telling you, no, 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 stay invested. It's, it's like the best opportunity ever. So, and then you look at your portfolio and just like, yeah, it's not, it's not working. <laughs> Nothing is working right now. Um, so I thought of building this, this website to clear out the noise, bring a, a, a straightforward strategy, something that is a little bit more simple just to keep track of your portfolio and have, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Pareto principle, which means that you like 20% of your effort or your energy or what you do will generate 80% of the outcome. And in the business is usually 20% of your client will generate 80% of your revenue. And this law is pretty much applicable to anything you do in life. So anything that you focus that will kind of like use some leverage will during 80% of your returns. And, and this is what I, I try to do with Dividend Stocks Rock is to help investors focus on that 20% that will do most of what they need to do to uh, achieve their goal, retire happy, and, and stop being stressed out and, and suffer from paralysis by analysis. So I think this is a great place to have this little disclaimer that you know this discussion is really just for fun. Um, we are not giving individual tailored advice to anyone. Uh, this is for your own information, so please do your own research. You know, we are not responsible, as you say, to both your losses while investing or your gains. We hope you do make gains, uh, but we are not responsible for either one of those. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's fun to give out that information, but it's super important that everybody does their own research and that they they fully understand what they do. I mean, I, I kind of like hate when some people are just like, oh yeah, I read that on Twitter or watched that on YouTube I, and I bought it. And I'm like, yeah, but what's your investment thesis? Right. And they're just like, well, this guy likes it. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not an investment thesis. That's like very, very far from right. it. So yeah, I agree with you, Mike. You must do your own due diligence. That's super important. So let's start our conversation about dividend investing by first talking about what dividends are. So can you explain to our listeners what a dividend is and why certain companies pay them? Yeah. So Finance 101, when a company makes profit and doesn't find any ways to reinvest that money inside the company. So in marketing or developing new products or making like merger and acquisition, stuff like that. So they sit on a pile of cash and they can't find a way to generate more value to shareholders. 
they're going to issue a dividend. So a dividend is really a check, a money coming from the company's bank account after they're making their profit, they pay their taxes and everything. And they will give that to shareholders um, as like just telling them, you know what? We are good with the money that we have right now. We don't we don't find any ways to create more value. So we give you back that money so you can allocate it in a better way, in another business or whatever. And this is the principle around the dividend. Now, most companies that will pay dividends will usually be a little bit more mature. They have like a, a, a strong business model. Uh, they've been in the business for a while. They generate like growing sales and then growing profit. And they reach that level where they have the, that extra cash flow that they better give it to investors. And at one point, it kind of like serve some kind of like a marketing tool to attract investors as well. Because when you invest in those companies, even though the stock price could go down and then you can have like what we call a paper profits, a paper loss. So as long as you don't sell, you're not really losing money but at least you're getting paid. So during a bear market, when the market goes down, uh, your portfolio value will go down even if you invest in dividend bank stocks. But the difference is that you're gonna still receive some uh, some dividends that will pay you to wait and that will smoother that drop. So if you have like a 3% yield and your portfolio is down by 10%, well, you're only losing seven in the end because there's that 3% kicking in. Um, just telling you that, you know, they're making business anyway. And, and you know, it's kind of funny because when we think about what happened in, in March of 2020, when the market crashed, for example, uh, a lot of companies were actually doing exactly the same business as they did like two months before. And the revenue kept going in, but the market said, you know what, everything's going to go down and all stock value lost like 20, 30%. But in the meantime, you get a good reminder that a company like maybe like Fortis that is uh, generating power and giving powers to people. They're just like, you know what? We continue to distribute electricity. You don't have to worry about it. And we're going to pay you anyway. So it's like business as usual. Yes, it's not going to be an amazing year, but we're still going to make money out of it. So here's your dividend. Um, stay calm and just enjoy the ride and, and just wait a little bit, be patient. And we're going to be back in business for soon. So I think that's a great transition to what I want to talk about next. And that's sort of the the idea that things could happen in the market and things can definitely change, uh, but the company itself, the fundamentals have not changed. So a, a good analogy that I just thought about was this past week, as you are well aware of, the Montreal Canadiens fired their head coach and hired uh, former player Martin St. Louis as their interim head coach. So we'll see what the impact that makes on the short term from the uh, Canadians. However, the fundamentals of that team has not changed. So if we use that same analogy to the stock market, you know, back to March of 2020 with Fortis, Fortis did not change. They were still probably making the same revenues, the same dividends. The stock price definitely changed. Um, but we want to look to the fundamentals of that company rather than looking for what's happening in the short term. So Rather than worrying about these short-term changes, we want to look at, as you are well aware of, the fundamentals of that company to make you a better investor. So why is this a better approach to investing uh, that will give you probably better returns in the long run and a lot less stress? Yeah. So 
The uh, big difference I have to, to make right up front is I am a dividend growth investor and not just a dividend investor. And right. the difference comes where uh, at first, and it's kind of funny because I go with the moniker, the dividend guy, because I have the dividend guy blog and I <laughs> run the dividend guy blog podcast. But sometimes people are just like, yeah, but Mike, you're not really the dividend guy because you end up buying sometimes like stocks being a 1% yield, which is not about dividend. And I'm like, no, it's about dividend growth, not just dividend yield. Uh, so the difference is if you're a dividend investor, you focus on the income generated by your portfolio. So you will want to have maybe a five or a 6% yield. Um, but when you consider that we've been running into a great bull market for the past 12 years now, 10, 11 years, uh, obviously it's getting very hard to find generous companies that would end up still paying you five, six, seven percent yield with no risk. So instead, I focus on companies that are able to pay their dividend, but also increase it year after year. So when you think about it, what would be required for a business to increase its dividend payment yearly? Because when you think about it from a business perspective, it's pretty much like a debt payment for them. They're just like writing down a check, losing money, basically like taking money on, from their bank account and giving it to their shareholders. And every year they're going to tell you, hey, you know what, Mike, we're going to increase it by 5% every year. So we're increasing your debt payment basically to shareholders. So to be able to do that, you need a company that has a robust balance sheet, like if they're if they're if they have too much debts and they're have they're struggling to making their payment, obviously they will not be able to increase their dividend. Uh, you need a company that knows that it will continue to grow in the future. So to to have that promise to shareholders that they will increase their dividend, while they already know and or they're confident enough that their revenue are going to grow, their margin will remain healthy, and their earnings, their profit is going to increase as well. So when you think about it as an investor, this is the type of business that you want in your portfolio. So when you select a dividend grower, you shall also select a company that has a set of metrics, a set of factors that will make them a very nice investment, regardless if you're looking for the dividend or not. Um, it has all those great features, such as a dominant player in the market, great market shares, some leadership, buy a pricing power, etc. And that will lead to eventually more profit. And if you invest in a company that makes profit and more profit year after year, well, chances are that they're going to be good in your portfolio as well. <laughs> You should have named yourself the dividend grower stock guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even more specific. So you focus your podcast and a lot of your writing, what you call, um, it's wrapped up in what you've just talked about, but the dividend triangle. So can you explain what the dividend triangle is and um, what those three elements are? Yeah, so the dividend triangle is not a financial concept. It's not coming from financial literacy or anything. It's pretty much an uh, image I created to explain my the first filter I use when I'm looking for a new addition to my portfolio. Um, as I mentioned earlier, big fan of the Pareto principle. So my purpose with the dividend triangle was to find a combination of three metrics that combined together 
would eliminate most of stocks that I could invest in. And I could focus then on the like the best cherry in the basket. So I'm just picking up like the best fruit out of that basket. So the first element is revenue growth. So obviously, I want a company that over the past five years, at least, shows uh, a growing trend. So it's telling me the company can grow organically or through acquisition. They invest in research and development. They have great products. Uh, basically, they find ways to increase their sell all the time. The second element is the earnings per share. Earnings per share growth will tell me that the company has healthy margin, that has some pricing power, and that they're profitable, right? Because you can find a lot of companies that are growing very fast in terms of sell, but they're burning cash. And, and at sometimes it makes sense, you know, like at the beginning of Amazon, for example, uh, their main focus was to become a leader is to become like a huge marketplace. And that requires a lot of cash flow. And they didn't care about making money. They just wanted to increase the sales and, and be a, in the right position. So I look at companies a little bit more mature that are also able to increase their earnings. So when you find a company increasing their sales, and then increasing their profits, it should lead to dividend increase as well. And what is important for me is not necessarily the five years growth rate, because sometimes a company can, can make a huge acquisition. So show like a 30% revenue jump in one year. So you put that over five years and just like, oh, wow, that's, that company is like showing like a, a mid single digit uh, growth rate for their revenue. It's amazing. But in the end, they don't grow organically. So I rather look at trends. So I make up graphs. And this is one of the things that we do at, at Dividend Stocks Watch. You see those graphs where you can identify trends. And whenever there's a big jump or a big drop for earnings or, or for revenue, I'm going to look at what happened in that quarter. And for the dividend, it will also tell me what's going to happen next. So if you have a company that used to increase its dividend by 5 6% for several years, and then it slows down to 4 and then 3 and then 1 and then sometimes you'll see the, uh, the symbolic 1 cent of dividend increase, then it started to sound like a big red flag. And then you have to dig a little bit further to make sure to like, look at other, uh, like, uh, other metrics like the payout ratios and how cash flow is doing. But just by looking at the trend of these three metrics, I'm going to cover most of what the company is really at this point. And technically, whenever I go with after looking at, at like cash flow or debt level and everything else, other financial metrics, uh, if the dividend triangle is strong, usually other metrics will follow at the same pace. So it's it's really a good way for me to make it easy, make it fast to make like that buy list really quickly. And then I can do a little bit more digging about the business model and so on. But at least the metric part is covered within the dividend triangle. If um, like a DYI investor wanted this kind of information about a company's revenue, earnings, or dividends, what might be the best place for them to do their own research to find this about them? Um, you can do it free, uh, for free with a dividend screener, a stock screener like Finviz, for example. But then you're going to have the five years analyzed growth rate, which doesn't tell you the exact story. Uh, so most of the time, you will have to dig in a little bit more into the company's financial statement. 
Um, a good way to do it, you can start with their investors presentation because sometimes they will do the work for you and show you some kind of graph around revenues and earnings because those are also metrics that are usually followed all the time by, by, by financial analysts. So they're easy to get in terms of information. But if you don't pay for uh, a service, most of the time you'll have to do it um, manually. So you go to the investor's website, you look at the annual statement or the quarterly statement, and then you open up your Excel spreadsheet, you key in the numbers, and then you'll make up the, your graph on your own. So it's a little bit more time consuming, uh, but it's very hard to find all that information, the format that you want if you use like a financial website like Yahoo Finance or Finviz. But at least it's a good start, but you'll need to dig a little bit further. Do you have any specific US or Canadian companies that you believe fit really well within this dividend triangle approach? Um, yeah, actually, not too long ago, we recorded an, an episode on the podcast about finding those companies with a almost perfect dividend triangle. Uh, so for Canadian, I would look at uh, National Bank, for example. Uh, National Bank, if you uh, forgive them to have that pause in dividend growth due to the pandemic and the regulators that said, you know what, dividend freeze, you cannot increase right. it. But if you skip that part, you'll see that revenue earnings and dividend has been increasing pretty much at the same level all the way together. Uh, Fortis is another great example. We're talking about a company that is not flabbergasting in terms of like, they're not like super powered company with double digit growth. It's a sleep well at night, boring utility. Uh, like, you know, 99% of the business is regulated. So they know how much they're going to make in cash flow this year and the following year. And they're actually targeting uh 6% dividend growth rate uh, for the next four or five years right now. Uh, so very easy to plan ahead. But that is the kind of business that you'll see that revenue increase five, six, seven percent every year, earnings per share follows, and the dividend follows at the same pace. So those are like two pretty much good examples. Um, another one that I really love would be Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft is completely the opposite of Fortis. <laughs> so yeah. low yield high growth, but double digit growth for revenue, earnings, and dividend. So this is what I called a, a super powered dividend grower. And, and when you look at the business, they probably can afford to continue growing at this pace for another five years, maybe 10, uh, especially with the new purchase of Activision Blizzard, which sure. opens... Uh, and a completely new door in the gaming industry for them because, yes, they, they had the Xbox, but with this acquisition, if they go through, uh, it expected to close next year. So it's going to take a, a lot of time and a lot of regulation. But if it happens, it's going to make them number three in the gaming industry, which would be huge. And it also opens the door to the metaverse. So creating your own avatar and and, and benefiting from like all the kids that wants to go online and then create that parallel life, well, then they will have like all the tools and obviously they have already all the resources in terms of finance and cash flow to, to go in that area. So it's just another playground where they can succeed on top of being like, you know, strong bond with corporate America, with their productivity suites and also the cloud business. So basically they have growth vectors everywhere and, and you can see the trends are like almost perfect when you look at the dividend triangle. It's interesting when you mention either one of those companies, whether it's a power, a technology, or a um, 
a bank, you know you're not going to see probably 50% growth over the next you know, few years, but you also know that you're not going to see a 50% drop because those, those companies are mature. You know that they're going to be growing over time. The dividend is going to be growing over time. You, as you said, you can sleep well at night knowing that you that company is going to continue to grow and continue to grow that dividend. And, and that's, that's probably like one of the biggest advantage that you can have when you focus on those kind of companies. Like when March of 2020 happened, I look at my portfolio and I was like, okay, so Dillis is still going to uh, provide me wireless services. The bank is still going to work. Right. We're just still going to deliver electricity. So I'm like, okay, so all the way down, I have like maybe like one or two stocks out of like 25 that could be at risk um, during the pandemic. All the others, yeah, they're going to have a rough year, but nothing that they cannot go through. Is there any kind of counter argument to this approach in terms of your age? So should a 20-year-old who has a long time horizon still invest this way, uh, the same that a 60-year-old retiree would? Or can this dividend uh, approach to investing, or dividend growth investing rather, uh, be applied to anyone at any age? Um, I guess it really more depends on which type of investor you are. Uh, meaning that, especially if you, when you start, if you're in your 20s and you start investing, like buying individual stocks might not be the best way to start. First, because you don't have much money. So at first, you'll be heavily concentrated in like one or two stocks, which could be an amazing thing or a disaster, depending on which company you select. So I would probably start investing with ETF instead because it gives you like instant diversification. They're cheap, so it's super easy and they're still managed by professionals. So the, the risk of making mistakes are limited. But once you get at least to like $10,000, $15,000 getting going, um, at this point, I think it's really more about what you're looking for because you can be a dividend growth investor and focus on total return. That's pretty much my case. So my total portfolio yield is around 2%. So I don't really mind about the income, but all my stocks are paying a dividend. What I do mind is the growth because I want a, a, the, to maximize my total return. Um, if you go uh, and you're like 60, 65, and you're looking more for income, that is still possible. The difference is you're going to discard stocks paying 7, 8, 9% yield because most of the time, those companies are not able to increase their dividend. And there's also another like reason for that. It's because they're not doing that great, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but you can definitely build a portfolio paying a 4% yield and still have a decent dividend growth rate around it. Uh, at Dividend Stocks Rocks, we do have a retirement portfolio uh, for Canadian and for American. And the average yield is around 4%. And, and like it grows like a little bit slower than our other portfolio models that are really about dividend growth, but still you can beat the inflation, which is definitely a good thing right now. Yes. It's a big talk. And, and, and that's one thing sometimes pure dividend investors forget. Uh, if you get a stock paying you a 7% yield, yield, imagine you invest $100,000 in there. So you get $7,000 in dividend, which is amazing. But if in 10 years from now, you still get the same $7,000, now you have a problem. Yeah. And, and you kind of like suffer from a passive dividend cut created by this inflation. So when the inflation was like 
1.5, nobody cared that much. Even though it has an impact over the long run, it mm-hmm. does, you don't, you don't feel it that much. No. Right now we're talking about five and 6%. Uh, I don't think it's going to last forever, but even if it's for two or three years, now you're talking about 10, 15% of your pricing power goes into the nature. You don't want that. Plus, you know that this company, if it, they ever hit another challenge, another like bump in the road, chances are that they're going to cut their dividend. And then you're going to suffer from a capital loss and from income loss. And you certainly don't want that too. Can you explain what a dividend reinvestment plan is or DRIP for short and why for many people who want to grow their portfolio, this can be an excellent approach for a long-term uh, portfolio growth? Yeah. So the dividend reinvestment plan is pretty much like putting your portfolio on autopilot, meaning that you've done your research, you have selected some companies that you like, and each time they pay a dividend, instead of getting the cash, you're getting, you're buying shares of that same company right away. So imagine that you invest in Dallas and you get a thousand dollar in dividend. Well, instead of getting a thousand dollar in dividend, you're going to buy shares of Dallas again. So your position grows every quarter, every time you receive a dividend, which is kind of like very interesting because First, your money keeps working for you all the time because sometimes if you if you're like very busy, you'll you're gonna just let the dividend pile up in your cash account, and that doesn't generate much going forward. No, so, <laughs> so you want to make sure that the money works for you. So on the day that the dividend is issued, it buys shares. So you're sure that you always participate in the market. And during downturn, it's even better because you're getting like kind of like a rebate on the stock that you're buying and you don't have to think about anything. So you, you basically let the power of compounding interest work for you. And over several years, that is going to grow your portfolio very fast. So this is a very good way. Once you have like a portfolio that you love and that you would not change much around it, you can put all your stocks into a dividend um, reinvestment plan. So a drip plan and just let it grow. You don't have to do anything but rebalance it like once a year and, and you're all set up. Yeah, I like that kind of no thinking approach that it just does it for you. You don't even have to think. And as well, you save a little bit of money. You know, if I want to buy a company, I'm just going to pick one, um, Brookfield Renewables, for example. I really like that company. Um, but, you know, I want to buy an extra 10 shares. Well, I have to spend, you know, 5 to $10 each time I want to make that purchase. It does it for me for free if I can get up to a certain point where that dividend drip is on. Yeah. So you're right. You're saving fees on top of that. So it's a great way to make sure that every dollar is invested the right way. You end every episode of your podcast with what I believe is a very simple, but very profound statement, which is stay invested. Can you explain the importance of this phrase? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, um, before I was working on dividend stocks rocks, I was a financial planner for 13 years. Uh, so I was a financial planner during the crisis, uh, the financial crisis in 2008. And it was quite challenging because at that point you had like most of my clients were retired or about to retire. So like, we, like I had like a, a sizable portfolio and all my clients were freaking out because over one day, 
they see their portfolio melting and then the next day it continues to melt and then the following day it keeps going down and down and down. And on top of that, some of them were withdrawing money from that portfolio. So it was like double dip, you know, and they right. didn't like that. And I remember like the, the most important case I had was um, a notary that was just retired in early July of 2008. So literally right before Lehman Brothers goes bankrupt and everything started to go uh, sideways. And so he sold his business. He had like a million dollars to invest. And that was his retirement plan, literally. And he was like, because he had like rental properties and so on, but like all this cash, he decides to invest it with me. So I was like super happy. It was like, ooh, like big account and everything. But then... A month later, that wasn't that fun because this guy was starting already to withdraw from the from, from his account, but the 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 uh, the portfolio was going down so fast, and he was keep withdrawing. And after three months, he called me in a panic, and he's like, "Okay, that's it, that's enough. We sell everything, Mike. I cannot take you any longer." And I told him, "Okay, so if you want to do that, we're like." In 10 minutes, I was working downtown Montreal. So I told him, 10 minutes, you meet with me. We're going to sign up the paperwork. We're going to sell everything. We're going to go back into bonds, into GICs, no problem. But you're not going to uh, be doing business with me after that. I told him, like, if you cannot stay invested, if you cannot weather that storm, and we have discussed that in the past, in the past, you already have your financial plan telling you it's still going to be okay. If you don't trust me, that's totally fine, but I'm no use for you. So, and if you go out of the market, then you just realize that your risk tolerance does not work well with market fluctuation, which is fine. But then I'm not going to be the guy that will put you back in, in three years from now, when the market is going to go back up and you would have sell low and buy high. So I just told them, you know what, you do whatever you want, but you're not going to be my client after this trade. So he took a second to think about it. And then he's just like, okay, whatever. Well, we're going to stay as is, and that's going to be fine. And then fast forward 2011, he calls me back and we, we have been like in constant communication, but one day he calls me back and he's like, Mike, I just received my statement and I want to thank you. I want to thank you because I went through that storm I've been patient. I've trusted you. I've stayed invested. I follow the strategy that was in place. I followed my plan. And today, everything is good. And, and I realized that I went back, I recovered most of my money. And now I look at my plan and I'm like, yeah, it totally makes sense. And I'm fully secured and I don't have to worry about anything. And I think that that's one of like the most important lesson because you cannot time the market. Mm -hmm. Some people say, yeah, I saw it coming. And then, yeah, I'm like, maybe you got lucky, but I have high doubts that anybody knew that in 2018, the bottom of the market was during Boxing Day. So literally December 26 of 2018, after the market dropped by like 20% from its high time high uh, during the summer of 2018, the, mo the day that you had to invest was while you're cleaning your turkey after having like a <laughs> huge supper, well, you had to invest all your money on December 26, because if you just waited for the holidays to be to end and started to invest like around January 10th, you would have lost like 15% ups, upside 
like, wow. like this in two weeks. So nobody knew. Same thing during the financial crisis. Uh, the bottom of the market was in March of 2009. Nobody knew that. And most recently, again, for the pandemic, nobody knew that the market would go into a hyper V recovery after March, what, March 23rd or March 26th. And after that, everybody called that for a dead cat bounce was basically just like a small bump and it's going to go drop again. And then everybody's going to lose more money. And everybody called for that for three months until they realized in September that the market was just going up. And then the opportunity is gone and it's over, you know, like the fund's over. It's just, if you had stayed invested, you didn't lose any money. If you tried to time the market, well, good luck. Cause I don't know. My crystal ball is not as, as clear as that though. That's for sure. No. Um, I had read some uh, quotes recently about how you can actually make more money by continuing to invest over a long period of time rather than actually investing at the absolute worst time at the, or sorry, the best time at the bottom. So it's, it's interesting that it doesn't actually matter. Trying to time the market is actually the worst thing that you can do for you. It's just keep buying consistently, continue to buy over time. If the market goes down, Hey, you get to buy a little bit more. If the market goes up, maybe buy a little less but just keep plugging that away consistently over time. And as you said, the worst, worst thing you could do would be selling. And it's funny that he would almost want to blame the losses on you as if you had anything to do (laughs) with what was happening in the market. Yeah. And when you think about it, it is so much easier to just stay, stick with your strategy and, and just let it ride, you know? And, and sometimes we want to take action because we think that we can, make things different, but in the end, it's, it's, it's not going to be helpful. And, and when you try to time the market, it would only work if you're right all the time, meaning that you're right whenever you go out, but you also must be right whenever you go back in. Right. And, and this create this combination, uh, that, that would be crazy, but I don't, I don't think that you can do that unless you just play Monday morning quarterback and you look back in the past. And yeah, it's always right. obvious yeah. that it was going to bounce back, right? But never in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so how can uh, people connect with you on social media if they want to learn more about your offerings or where they can listen to your podcast to talk about more things that we've learned today? Um, so I have the Dividend Guy podcast, so very easy on all platform, on Apple and Spotify and so on. And if you want to reach me out, have fun. Um, I'm a lot on Twitter. So, and this is actually how we connected. So I'm very active on Twitter. And you can also go uh, the dividendstocksrock.com. Uh, it's my membership website, but we also offer a free workbook, which is called the uh, Recession Proof Workbook. So if you're worried about the market right now and you want to review your sector allocation, you want to um, like improve your, your buying process or your selling process, this is a free workbook, 35 pages with a lot of questions that will help you understand your strategy. Maybe put one together, actually, if you don't have one and get like... Uh, get yourself accustomed to dividend gold investing. Well, the next two questions I always ask towards the end of the in- each interview, what's one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation? Um, one thing would be to keep things simple and clear out the noise. 
too many times we are uh, tempted to get 50 different analysis or opinions or go everywhere before we take your action. Just make it clearer and straightforward. Use the Pareto principle and I mean, stay invested. (laughs) And finally, Mike, what's one thing you want to learn more about? And this can be related to our conversation today about dividend investing, or it can literally be anything you want to learn more about. Um, It's actually something completely different. Uh, I am in the process of gathering a lot of information about Africa and the Kilimanjaro because uh, this is my next trip this summer. So right now I'm I'm like studying all kind of like equipment uh, if I need to do any kind of like training because there's a lot of problem with altitude sickness, obviously. So this is this is my next goal. Uh, We're going with a bunch of friends uh, to hire and my wife. We're going to hire the Kilimanjaro and then my uh, children are coming to visit us in Africa for a safari. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but yeah, so I want to learn a little bit more about their culture as well. I'm really looking forward to uh, spend a few days uh, like before and after we hike the mountain to just like spend some time with the locals, you know, that's where you get so much value. And this is where the, the travel takes all its sense actually. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope everyone has learned a little bit more about how to become a better investor. And as you said, kind of put away all that uh, news and and try to get through uh, and become just focus on what you need to become a little bit better investing. And can you finish off our episode with your famous tagline? Of course. Well, thanks, Mike, for having me. And until your next episode, stay invested. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.